Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Vic Hunter here, and this is a special edition of Daily Rhythms. And I say special because we have a very special guest uh, on the show with us today, Trisha and Michelle Germa. Welcome, Trisha. Hi, Victor. Hey, nice. thanks for joining us today. You. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trisha and I met. Um, at a conference here in Austin back in 2012, was it? 2013. 2013, okay. And uh, you, you remember that very well, obviously. <laughs> I do. I remember it very well, yes. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, well, before we get into why I invited you uh, to be on the show, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I live in Georgetown, Texas, and I am, um, I own a music studio, so I'm a private piano and voice teacher. I have about 50 students that I teach. Um, I love what I do. I've been teaching since I was 15, so I've been doing this a long time. My husband- You, you don't want to say how long, right? I don't want to say how long. <laughs> it's been a long time. Oh. A long time, since I was 15, however long okay. that is. And <laughs> my husband and I, um, we also own a couple of other businesses. We do some renovation and design projects. Um, I'm also a wedding planner, and I'm also a hopeful author. So yeah. um got a lot of things going on, but it's all things I'm really passionate about and things I love. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um <laughs> Well, before we get into um, the kind of the nuts and bolts of why uh, I asked you to come here uh, to tell your story, um, I just wanted you to know that there are uh, 15 uh, dedicated prayer warriors who have been uh, praying for this interview. So I wanted to mm -hmm. let you know that. <laughs> wow, that's, that's very humbling. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the reason um, I invited you here um, is to, in part, was to talk a little bit about a person who is uh, very near and dear to your heart. Uh, her name is Mary Ann. And can you tell us a little bit about Mary Ann and, and your relationship with her? Yeah, um, I met Mary Ann um, 15 years ago, over 15 years ago, um, I was a newly divorced young woman. I'd gotten married really, really young and gotten divorced really young. And I was kind of out on my own in the, the world for the first time. And I was terrified. And I met her at a job interview. She was interviewing as well. And she was just this bright ray of sunshine. I couldn't believe how much she just lit up the whole room. And we became instant friends. Um, and we both ended up getting the job. And so we then went into a training class together that we were in for several months. And we were inseparable ever since. She was um, such a bright ray of sunshine in my dark little world at that time. It was a really, really dark time in my life and she um definitely helped make my life better uh -huh. Uh -huh. and what happened to mary ann um about a year or so ago um 
kind of explain that to us. So in, in March of 2019, so it'll be almost two years, which is hard to believe. um, Marianne had a heart attack um, and passed away um, from the heart attack. Uh Very suddenly and unexpectedly. Yeah. And how did that affect you? Um, Just, I mean, personally, spiritually, emotionally, how did that affect you? Well, I was absolutely stunned and shocked. We had spoken just the day before. We speak, we spoke pretty much every, every day. Uh Plus emailed each other too. So, I mean, we were in constant communication and I had just spoke to her the day before and we had spoken for several hours the day before in a really, really good conversation um, in which we were talking about the future and she was talking about the life that she wanted and I was trying to encourage her the best I could to be brave enough to go and get it. And I remember saying to her, I need you around, you know, I need you. I want us to be old women, still friends, you know, I, I need you and you deserve to have the best life possible. And she also told me that same day, um, she said, if, if I don't, leave this marriage, the stress is going to kill me. Either he's going to kill me or the stress is going to kill me. And the next day, that's exactly what happened. Uh And I, I remember Mary Ann because I met her at the same time I met you Mm -hmm. um, at the conference. And she was just a very warm and loving person um, the, the best thing I remember about her, uh, were her hugs, you know, she just had this way of hugging you that really kind of invited you into this warm and welcoming space. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh my goodness. Yes. She, yeah. she just had the biggest, warmest heart and she mm. could hug, you know, when, when Marianne loved, she loved all the way. Yeah. There was no yeah. pathway for her. And mm-hmm. when she hugged you, she really hugged you and she meant it from her heart. And I think that's absolutely what you felt. And that's exactly who she was. Yeah. So um, here's the main reason um, I wanted you to tell your story. This, this podcast is all about the spiritual disciplines and um, just the different places that God takes us. Uh, through in the spiritual disciplines because they're not always neat uh, and and you know orderly. Uh, sometimes he takes us places that are very painful, very um, heart wrenching, uh, even grieving. And so, what I what I want you to talk about is what was your relationship like with the Lord during that time. Well, my relationship with God was was really good when mm-hmm. when she passed. I was in a really good place 
with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she passed so suddenly, I was absolutely stunned and I was angry. I was hurt and I was scared. Um, uh-huh. And it just so happened that the day that, or the, yeah, the day she died, um, I had already planned a vacation to California. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> immediately after her funeral, I went to California for a week and I spent pretty much an entire week on the beach. And uh, for me, the beach is a very spiritual place and always has uh-huh. been. It's uh-huh. where I hear God the most. It's where I feel God the most. It's where I feel the most loved. And so I pretty much spent every single day on that beach by myself with God. And uh-huh. a lot of days I was raging at him and I was screaming and I was angry. Some days I was weeping and, you know, desperate for comfort and peace. But I will tell you that um, I knew God was there. I never felt that he wasn't there. And, Uh you know, I was mad at him, but I I knew he was there. And I kept asking him for a sign that she was okay. Uh Uh I was desperate for for something, anything that would just let me know that she was going to, she was okay where she was. And I looked up at the sky one day on the beach and there was this beautiful cloud formation looked just like an angel soaring across the sky. And that gave me a lot of comfort. And as I, as the days went on, I think I spent seven full days there As the days went on towards the end, I started to think, you know, maybe I should listen to God (laughs) because I've been talking, I've been the one talking. I, you know, I really haven't wanted to hear anything he had to say. Um, Uh I just wanted to tell him what I was feeling. So maybe I should be still and maybe I should listen. Uh And so I did. And, um, it was very powerful. Um, I asked God, you know, why, why would you let this happen? Um, she was, she was 46, um, almost 47. Yeah. She was, she was 46 years old when she passed and, and she has three daughters and, you know, why would you allow this to happen? And uh-huh. <clears throat> the answer that I felt in my heart you know, in my spirit was God saying she was never going to be able to leave. The day before she died, we had made a plan of escape from her abusive marriage. And I had helped her escape before and she had gone back. And, um, but I thought this was, this was it. She was really going to be able to do it this time. And, um, I felt God say to me, she was never going to be able to get away from him. He would have found her and he would have killed her. 
I, I took her home. I had mercy on her and I took her home and that completely broke me because I knew it was true. And in a weird way, it gave me some peace because obviously I don't want her to be murdered. You know, I don't want her to be killed. Um, or, you know, the other thing is he could have charmed her back like he always did. And then she would just continue to live in abuse. Yeah. So really uh-huh. either option uh-huh. wasn't good, but um, it did give me a, a weird sense of comfort that, uh. you know, God was, that, that she was safe now and I could picture her safe and free and not stressed, not worried, not afraid. And that made me happy. But of course, you know, my flesh is not in the eternal. You know, I I want her here right now in this moment. Uh uh But when I try and, you know, I tried to think of it in an eternal perspective. um, It did help a little bit to comfort me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, you know, Romans 8.28 says that God works everything out for good. Um, did you kind of feel that when when God spoke to you? I did. It, I mean, I felt like he, he knew all of that. You know, he, he, he sees the the past, the present, and the future. He knows everything. And uh-huh. he knew he knew that she wasn't going to be able to ever get away. And yeah. so, you know, of course, I wish it was different. You know, I, I of yeah. course, but yeah. I also understand um, that God is a loving God. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. Well, one of the things I mentioned um, on the last episode was the fact that God often does things for reasons that we don't know because he has information that we don't have. Right. And I think that that speaks to what you were saying um, about, you know, God knowing um that that she she wouldn't have been able to get away, you know, and 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 just having that knowledge, uh, that that you know that you and I certainly don't have. Right. Yeah, yeah. I want to take you back to the beach. Want to go back to the yeah, beach, sure, uh, Trisha? Sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, so. One of the things that I I find troubling about um, the church today is that we don't find a place for lament uh, in our lives, um, and and I certainly did not grow up in a faith tradition that encouraged that uh, kind of a very left-brained faith tradition, if you know what I mean. Um, so, so speak to that. What, what do you think, what healing effects do you think lament has? You certainly did a lot of that on the beach. 
I did. Um, when you say lament, what is what do you mean exactly by that? I'm curious. Well, yeah, when I say lament, I mean getting into a place where you just um, cry out your heart to God. Yeah. You know, your your feelings, your frustrations, your anger. Uh, just like the psalmist right, did. Right, right. Well, I mean, I definitely was raised, I mean, I was in an, an evangelical church raised um, in, in a church like that. So I was raised to believe that God is our father and a loving father and he cares about us and we can talk to him like a friend. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so I've always been able to do that. Um, since I was a little girl, just talk to him like I would anyone and have a conversation with him. And that's always brought me a lot of comfort. But I also carried with me some, how do I say it? Kind of, I, I also grew up in kind of a hellfire and brimstone kind of church. And so mm-hmm, I also mm-hmm. was taught that. So that was kind of a contradiction. A bit, yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that God yeah. is a, um, a very just God and he can be an angry God. And, and you know, I was taught to feel a lot of shame and um, that you could, I kind of had this feeling like I could only come to God when I was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I understand that. So <laughs> it took me a long time to work through that. And it took me um, a long time to realize, you know, God can handle my doubt. God can handle my questions and my anger and whatever it is that I that I come to him with. Because, I mean, he already knows it anyway. He already knows I feel that way. I certainly, certainly yeah. from him. So he already knows yeah. it. Um, and so if I come to him you know, just raw and honest and just saying, I'm really angry. You know, why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? And let him see how devastated I was and trust that he can handle that. He's not going to hold that against me. He's, he's not uh-huh, going to punish uh-huh. me for, for questioning him and for being angry. Yeah. That is, um, yeah, that was, a really powerful thing in my spiritual journey when I began to realize that um, because it just brought a lot of um, just being able to be raw and honest with him and a vulnerability mm-hmm. I'd never mm-hmm. had before with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you look at the Psalms uh, and even Lamentations, you have the the writers of Scripture, especially David, you know, getting to the point where, okay, like at the beginning of the Psalm, he's like, okay, this is unfair. This is unjust. uh, I hate what's going on here. But by the end of the Psalm, he's saying, but I know you're sovereign. I know you're in control. Uh, So there's this this balance um, that, that we see that, you know, I don't think we often recognize. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how public you want to go with this, uh, about you mentioned earlier about, uh, your writing. Yeah. Um, 
so so what what kind of journey has the Lord taken you on um, in that writing? We we talked a little bit about that, um, but let's share that. Share a little bit of that. Yeah. So us. I I've never really lost someone this close to me. I I did lose a close friend. Um, about it's been almost seven years ago now, but Marianne was like my soul sister best friend. I've uh. never lost anyone that close to me. And so um, it's been a little bit of a maze to walk through this grief. And the last several months, I would say the last couple of months, especially, I've really, really struggled with grief. And I was like, well, isn't it supposed to be getting better? Um, why is it? It feels like it's worse. And I feel like I miss her more and more every day. And so I felt um, kind of like the grief was crippling at times. And, uh-huh. and so one day I was, I was thinking about it and um, I've always wanted to write a book. I've written parts of books, but I've never finished and, I always knew from the time I was a little girl that I had a book in me to write. I knew it was there. Uh But I also knew that I had to have a clear vision of what I was writing about and who I was writing to. And if I had those two things, I, I, I was like, you know, the book will, will come easily. And so one day I was, I was thinking about, this grief and you know I was like I just wish I had an outlet and all of a sudden I thought oh my gosh I should write a book about me and Marianne and I was like how did I not think of this before how am I just now coming up with this (laughs) and um, so I sat down to write it and the book just fell out of me I mean it was like it already existed And I was just the vessel Uh. I was coming out of. And I've already written about half of it in just a couple of weeks. Um, And it's been a profoundly cathartic experience for me. A very healing experience. I have this really crazy Rain Man kind of memory. Like, not even, it's photographic, but also like videographic. I can literally like relive. Uh-huh. I can. It's it's weird the way my brain works. And so as I'm writing this story, I am literally reliving it. I can I can see the whole thing like a movie in my mind. And I mean, word for word, um, you know, Victor, I can tell you conversations you and I have had word for word. Um, I it's like, wow. Uh, it's hard to explain, but it's like I kind of type out the conversation in my head and I can take a screenshot of it in my head and then pull it up and read it. And so, you know, me reliving my entire friendship with Marianne is very cathartic and at times very painful because I'm literally reliving it. I can I can smell the smells and and. I know what she was wearing. I know word for word what was said. Um, And that can be very painful at times as well. So 
reading this book and I am just sobbing my guts out. And then there's other times I am laughing hysterically um, at something I'm writing that was funny. So I think though that even though it is painful, it's been a very powerful experience for me. And if no one else ever uh, reads this uh-huh. book but me, it's the most important thing I've ever done. I feel like it's cathartic, yes, right? It's very cathartic. good. Very good. Yeah, very healing. Um, it's given my grief an outlet, and I I do want to. You know, I had to ask myself, who am I writing this to? Well, I know who I'm writing it to. I'm writing it to all the women, I guess, and men, too, in the world that, that don't know what true friendship looks like. And I want them to huh. know what it looks like because she's the truest friend I've ever had. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I also want to speak to the Marianne's of the world that are scared to leave and that are living with abuse every day. But even more than that, and this is a very loving thing to myself that I'm doing, and I think this is why it's been so healing, is I want to speak to the Trishas of the world that have a best friend relationship and they can't save her. No matter uh-huh. how hard they try, because I tried, I tried to save Marianne in every way I possibly could. I tried to stop her from dating him to begin with. I, you know, she, we were the type of friends that we gave each other feedback all the time. And we, we knew each other's weaknesses very well and gave each other full permission to speak truth into each other's lives. And that's the kind of friendship we had. And I could Uh not get through to her. I could not get through to her. And the deeper that she got in, the less she could hear me. And I want to speak to the churches of the world that have experienced that because that is a heartbreaking thing. I feel like she died over the course of four years. Like it was a four year death that I witnessed. Um, and to all the people left behind um, that feel guilt about it. And I, and I felt guilt for a while um, that I should have done more and I could have done more. I also felt shame because by the point that she passed away, I was her only friend. No one else, um, everyone else had kind of, they were kind of done with her because she she wouldn't listen to them or she also isolated herself because she was ashamed. And so I was really the only one that knew what had happened and what was going on, you know? And so I'm at this funeral, I'm on stage singing at her funeral and I'm looking down at her husband in the front row and I know what he's done and no one else does. And everyone's coming up to me, you know, Oh, she was, so in love and she had this amazing marriage and it's so sad and I just want to scream from the rooftops the truth but it's like I had to carry her shame as well and that was really hard um, because 
I felt like he didn't deserve to be protected. Um, but it wasn't my place to tell. So I want to speak to the Trishas of the world, you know, as well to all of that. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot in that. There's a lot of lessons and there's a lot of pain and grief, but there's also, you know, a lot of joy that I write about in this book as well. The joy that Marianne brought to my life. She literally saved my life. I don't know that I would be alive today if it wasn't for her. Um, she was the one that encouraged me to go to the conference that I met you at. Um, uh, uh. Well, actually, I take that back. She didn't encourage me. She said, you're going. <laughs> and we're going. We're going. Oh, God. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and she didn't let me give up when I wanted to. And so I'm so I'm forever uh, uh -huh. thankful for her and, and the role that she played in my life and the friendship that we had. And I, I miss her every single day, every minute of every day. Uh, and sometimes, uh, uh, you know, when I think to myself, I will never talk to her again. I completely lose it. I mean, I can't even say it without crying. Um, I completely lose it. I can't handle that thought at all. But if I say to myself, okay, I just need to get through the next hour, not talking to her. Okay. I can do that. And, and I can get through, I just need to get through the next day. I'm not going to talk to her today. I can do that. Maybe one day I'll get to week to week um, or even month to month. I don't know. But um, I still am having to baby step my way through life. Yeah. And I know yeah. other people that have lost loved ones can relate to that. Um, yeah. So that's the, the book I'm, I'm writing. Yeah. And um, like I said, I'm about halfway done. I'm about to get to some really difficult parts to write. And I'm kind of dreading it because I know what it's going to take emotionally out of me to write it. Mm. But I know that it needs to be mm -hmm. written. I know I need to write it for myself. And I know I need to write yeah. it for her. Because I, I do believe yes. that if she could speak to women from from heaven I, I think she would say here are the things I did wrong don't do this you know she would want to protect other women as well and so I feel like I'm writing this for her as well and in honor of her and our friendship but also um she was very much a, she was the type of girl that, you know, we'd be at a club or a bar and she would see some guy being a jerk to a woman or like not leaving a woman alone. And she would go up and pretend to be her best friend and get, you know, like she was very protective of women. And I feel like she would be happy that I'm writing this book. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. I agree. 
I agree. Yeah, um, there's a there's a proverb in the Bible that says a friend sticks closer than a brother uh, and a sister, I guess, in this case. Um, and and it, it, it's, it looks like to me that you guys lived that out, lived out that that verse. Um, you you are going to help a lot of people um, through this this episode. And so I, I just want to personally thank you for coming on. Uh, and and sharing your story, and like you said, you know you're 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 not only writing this for yourself and for Marianne and for other women, and so um, the that's that's kind of the bulk of my audience, by the way, women thirty five to forty five. I'm not sure how I got <laughs> in that bracket, but uh, <laughs> that's the that's the demographic. Uh, so I'm sure you'll help a lot of folks. I do remember in 2013 when my mom died. Um, there were a lot of folks that were uh, that were surrounding me and that were comforting me and encouraging me, but you were definitely one of those people. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but you, yeah, yeah, you were there, and so uh, mm -hmm. I appreciate appreciate that, um, Trisha. Before we go, uh, I didn't really prepare you for this. You're like, oh, what's it gonna have me do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sing. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd like you to just say a prayer for those um, women who are going through a similar journey, but also um, people who are experiencing grief um, and just need the Lord to do a work in their lives mm -hmm. during this time. I mean, during the pandemic, certainly yeah. we've lost a lot of folks. Um but just 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 speak to that in in your prayer, if you would. I will absolutely do that. Yes. <clears throat> um, yeah. Dear Heavenly yeah. Father, I come to you today, thanking you so much for a servant like Victor that is so full of love and just wanting to share love and your word with other people. And God, I just pray that this podcast will reach exactly who you need to reach today and I know that there are people that are grieving I know there are people that feel like they can't make it even one more day and the pain is so great that they cannot make it even one more day and God I pray that this podcast will reach their hearts and let them know that they're not alone let them know that there is hope and that they can find peace and comfort in you. And God, I pray you just give them comfort and peace and surround them with people that will love them and take care of their heart in the way that they need. I also pray, God, for women or men that are in an abusive situation and they are scared to leave. Or maybe they don't even, they don't want to leave. Because they've been beaten down so much. God, I pray that you will open their eyes, open their ears. God, I pray that you give them courage. And I pray that you will put angels in their life. That will help them to get out when they are ready to get out. And that you will protect them 
And God, I pray for the best friends and the mothers and the fathers and the brothers that see their loved one in a horrible, horrible abusive situation and feel completely helpless to do anything. And God, I pray that you will comfort them. I pray that you will give them the words to say and the discernment to know how to help their loved one in their particular situation. God, right now in this world, this crazy world that we are living in, God, we need you more than we have ever needed you. And I just pray that you will speak clearly to your people, God, and that we will above all show love to everyone. And God, that you will unify Uh us and that you will bring your peace to this country and to this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, my sister. I really appreciate you um, just for being mm-hmm. a good friend all the way around, you know. And um, even though you're a Texan, you know, <laughs> I, I'll forgive you for that. I, I really will. Really. I mean, you know, you can't help well, from, you know, where you come from. from so I, I have lived yeah. here a long time. I'm oh, good. From <laughs> originally, but I've lived here since college. So I've, I've lived here a long time. But I guess I'm an honorary okay. Texan at this point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> well, you know, I left Tennessee in 91, and I'm still a Tennessean. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the program, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you, Victor. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you for and, listening. And, uh, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. And remember, uh, in order to invite invite people uh, into the conversation, remember to like, follow, and share. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Daily Rhythms. I'm your host, Victor Hunter. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for Daily Rhythms, episode number 12. And I have here as my very special guest, uh, John Dansby, the man of the the hour, or at least the next 15, 20 minutes. Uh, John Dansby, thank you for joining us on Daily Rhythms. Victor, my brother, good afternoon to you. Yes, it is indeed, because I'm in your presence. (laughs) Virtual (laughs) presence for now, right? There you go. There you go. Uh, My presence is good enough for you or something like that. (laughs) Uh, So um, tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself, Uh, because I know everyone wants to know about you. So, Well, um, hi, everyone. My name is John, uh, and I am a pastor at the Austin Stone. I originally grew up in South Florida, and so I'm one of the original Florida men, if you've seen them on the news, uh, in trouble wrestling with alligators and police and things like that, but hasn't happened to me yet. But I came to, um, uh, I guess I came to Texas where I minister now in fall of 95 to go to school. And while I was there, I kind of fell in love with ministry 
and went got to go to seminary while I was in all this mix. I got to meet my wife, um, and we have three beautiful kids, uh, and their names are Annalise, Noah, and Elliot, and my wife's name is Amelia, and we are a happy family, um, and I work at a church called the Austin Stone Community Church, uh, where... I'm one of the pastors and elders here, and it is a privilege to serve in a local church with God's people. Is that what you wanted, Victor? Yes, that's pretty much what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> it's not exactly name, rank, and serial number, but, you know, it'll do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John and I, uh, we met when my family and I um, joined the Austin Stone. I think it was 2012, I believe. And, uh, man, we had many a conversation over lunch and before services and uh, chewed the theology fat, as it were. And, mm -hmm. right. and uh, man, such, such a pleasure, such a pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, so, John, the reason I wanted to invite you here on the program is, um, of course, this is a, a podcast about the spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. And I've been really concerned about... Um, I mean, there seems to be a lack of interest uh, in the spiritual disciplines in the American church. Um, and would you agree with that? And why do you think that is? I agree. I do agree. I think that what has happened is people want quick results. They want things to happen right now. They, they are, they spend their good money to get things that mm. are, are results oriented and so that turns into things like shopping for churches, you know, churches that are going to give me results. And yeah, I mean, that is, I mean, it's a fine reason to buy a product. And if what you're looking for is a product, you are shopping. Uh, and, and what we've done is we've extended that into the world of, of our spirituality. So what we're looking mm. for is we're looking for results and, and we want, we want the curtain to walk through. You know, we want the, the, the pill to swallow. We want the, the one insight, the one pastor, the one seminar. Uh, we want the, the one counselor. We want the thing. We want the retreat that's going to make it so that we have this quick experience when that is not at all what the spiritual life is described as. Huh. And, and so uh -huh. when we are constant consumers, why would we want to have any kind of discipline whatsoever when when we're basically people are chasing us for begging for our money so that they can deliver uh what we you know some finished product yeah yeah and i've been there right i mean uh during the early part of my uh, christian experience um you know i was always shopping for the next retreat as you said the next seminar, uh, the next pastor, what, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and as good as those experiences were, uh, they never seemed to satisfy, you know. And so I, I think you're right about that. Yeah, um, I mean, how, how could yeah. they? When, when the Holy yeah. Spirit is, is talking, I mean, the language of the Holy Spirit is, uh, you know, bearing fruit, not picking fruit. Uh, mm -hmm. The language of the Holy Spirit is, is walking. Uh, and so I think we are trying to imagine something that that is never promised in in the scriptures yeah yeah um you and i have talked uh, extensively about the use of uh, devotionals 
and commentary uh, during our quiet time with the Lord. Uh, we both have some very definite opinions on that. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, people tend to use those as kind of a quick fix and to say, you know, I've had my quiet time in the in the Word, and kind of kind of give me your your take on that. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it. I mean, I know about it, but our audience doesn't. So, right. Um, well, uh, I I guess you're asking about the the new. Uh, quiet time study that I wrote called you, your, your new self in five minutes, right? Is that what you're asking? Uh, yeah, 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 basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that tools are great. I mean, ever yeah. since the early church, um, people have been producing tools to help people to study the word and get in the word. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think those things are great as long as they are tools, as long mm-hmm. as they are aids, as long as they're not replacements, because, because the Bible is, it is a, the word of God as he intended for it to be received totally mm-hmm. and completely. And when we approach things one tool at a time, one tool at a time, I think we are missing out on the totality of what God wanted to say. He wanted us to learn things uh, beyond a verse of the day. When you, when you don't do anything other than the verse of the day or the thought of the day, or, or this author has this, you're, you're not getting the sweep of what God has to say. And what God has to say in all of his word is, is what he's given for Christians to grow. I mean, Uh this is, uh, I, I was thinking about this earlier that, Without being and handling all of Scripture, you know you can't uh, you can't win in in the battle with only Scripture. But you will lose without it. And so, if we are not ourselves coming to the Scriptures um, and trying and wrestling with it and doing the hard thing to understand it, then we're not going to hear what God has to say. And thank God yeah. for we we use tools, but they're not infallible they're not inerrant like god's word is and Uh -uh. and there is no promise that the holy spirit is going to i mean the holy spirit didn't breathe out the tools and and so the holy spirit is not necessarily uh uh going to bless for a believer the use of the tools yeah yeah one of the things i mentioned uh in an earlier episode on bible engagement um was the fact that if you try to do a fix with one verse, uh, then you tend to miss out on the beauty and the scope of God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as you said, what God really has for you, not that there's anything on, on meditating on verses, but understand the context around that verse that you're meditating on. Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah. yeah, if you are encouraged by the proper use of one verse. Let's say that you are a one verse kind of person who skips around. If you're encouraged by the proper application and understanding of one verse, if you're a one verse kind of person, you're going to be harmed by a misuse of another random verse because you're not yeah. going to get the context. You, you uh-huh. are going to be led around basically by interpretations that, that one person offers. And you, thank God for one verse, right? I mean, yeah. Sentences change people's lives. Thoughts mm-hmm. change people's lives. But but there are bigger thoughts and contexts, exactly like you talked about, Victor. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, one verse that I, I think of that's really prominent is is the one. Um, oh, what's what's the verse I'm thinking of? Um, I can, yeah, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. <laughs> and we've seen that taken out of context, right? We've seen that used by sports um, enthusiasts, you know, or 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 sports people who say, "When I can win this game, I'll just meditate on this verse." Or people who take tests in school. <laughs> Uh, and people don't realize that Paul was in prison when he wrote that, you know. So, <laughs> so. yeah, he he wasn't he wasn't heading out to to uh, with the bases loaded. Uh, yeah, when he wrote that passage, that's exactly mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the whole passage is is so rich. It's Philippians uh, four, and and if we if we only look at verse thirteen. Yeah, we can we can misuse it, and we can be mightily encouraged by a by a misused <laughs> verse. Yeah, but, but it, it, like you talked about in the context, he says, "I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I yeah. know how to be brought low and how to abound." So he's going to talk about these extreme situations. Um, mm-hmm. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, That's right. I can do all things. What is yeah. what are the all things? It is is I can be content in every situation, no matter what. And I think uh-huh. that what what a better promise than than some uh, disappointing uh, promise to be able to to score the winning goal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get an A on your biology exam. Yeah. <laughs> or, you might you might be, not have gotten an a because you didn't study i mean that's like, yeah that's right <laughs> yeah um how much do you think social media uh has played a part in us not really taking time um to to spend with god oh man social media yeah. has yeah. has the big bear you know again everything is the tool Right. Yeah. And, and, and tools are are things that can be used for good or evil and including a virus can be used as a tool. Right. By, by geneticists to to yeah. to to help people with gene therapy or whatever. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But social media is it is a mind virus. It is it is. uh harming us in so many ways it is it, it could be a tool for great good but it has such a promise of complete thoughts with very little content um, and these are not complete thoughts these are not well thought out um uh messages and so what social media does is it, is it says if you're not if you're not able to affect or move someone with with 240 characters or how much then it's not worth me spending my time and Mm. we are harmed by it and and we are we are programmed to only pay attention to the things that can get us riled up in that short amount of time yeah 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 um and and as you said i mean it's a tool i mean i i uh, belong to a an online bible discussion discussion group um, on Facebook, and it's you know it's very it's very helpful, um, but I don't use it for my quiet time. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, so um, and, and I think that it is distracting 
uh, because I, I talked to someone who said, yeah, that's the first thing I do in the morning is check Facebook, mm. you know, uh, when that time could be spent better, um, mm. you know, engaging in time with God, you know, you know, I, th I think what we have to do is we have to approach, uh, our mornings as something that we do on purpose. For me, I have basically made a promise to myself that I am not allowed to look at really anything on my on my phone or uh, uh, you know Facebook, my computer. I'm not allowed to look at any of that stuff until I am in the word. And, mm. and so you know I'm going to check that stuff. It, 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 if, if I'm trying to follow something up on on Twitter or Facebook, I I will. I mean it's not like I'll go a whole day and say, oh my gosh, I forgot Facebook. <laughs> when's the last time you ever heard anyone say i totally forgot to check facebook <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but i think what we have to do is we have to put things in our uh disciplines disciplines in our life that say i am not a, i am not allowing myself to touch my phone until i am in the in the word i heard one person say it. he's a, a blogger tim challies real helpful guy he says he has a saying that you either have to say um, no Bible, no breakfast, or you say no Bible, no bed, you know, depending on which uh, time of the day you, you're going to exactly. read the word. But, but I think, yeah. I think we have to just not be willing to trust ourselves. I am mm -hmm. not tr a trustworthy. My instincts are not going to automatically lead me to the word obedience is never easy so that's right what can i do to make it to some something that helps me to yeah. to be in the word yeah it has been such a blessing uh to, to um, have a conversation with you uh today my brother the last question i want to ask you is how do church leaders uh create a context within a congregation to encourage engagement in the spiritual disciplines that is a great question. So as a church leader and as a pastor and, and uh, sometimes a preacher, there is an agony that every preacher feels where he wishes that he could think up a brand new application. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yes, I know. I've, he I've wishes been there. that there was something better than read your Bible and you need to pray and you need to be generous. You need to, to love the poor. You need to... Uh, you need to be in community. You need to share your faith. Like it would be so great if there was this, I found a new one, guys, you won't believe it. And, and so what pastors have to do is, is we have to talk about the great worthiness of returning to the spiritual disciplines of the fact that the Holy Spirit uh, is, is filling up our disciplines that as we abide in Christ, there is a, there is a person who bears fruit. And, and John 15 says, whoever abides in me, he is the one who, who bears much fruit. Apart from mm -hmm. me, you can do nothing is what Jesus says. And so, yeah. so as pastors, we have to try to help people. One, we have to value it from the front. We have to model it. We ourselves are people who it is not our job to, to have devotions. Um, our job is to equip the saints um, but we are Christians 
sons and daughters of, of the king. And so we pursue him on our own. So we model it. Then we uh, encourage people to be in community to do it. We create opportunities and Bible studies and these kinds of things that are tools. We kind of talk about helping people go from, um, from consumers to self feeders. We are all about doing the steps, giving the tools and doing the things, but we want to encourage people to, in the little ways, begin to, to bring the word of God into their life because um, Psalm one is my favorite chapter of the Bible. And it says, yeah. blessed is the man, happy is the man uh, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but mm. his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on Amen. his law, he meditates day and night. And, and the difference is uh, a tree that is planted in the middle of a field, it gets its nourishment when it rains. It's dependent on the seasons and the droughts. But a tree that's planted by streams of water it's getting nourishment every day. And so because of that, it, it uh, bears its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither and whatever it does, it prospers. And so, so we want to help people have the word of God. We want to help people be together, uh, God's people together, sons and daughters around the word of God. And so mm. these are the kind of things that we are dreaming about uh, getting people together, getting people, the word of God in there personal time. Uh, so, I mean, something we are always trying to commend in different ways with whatever we have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why small groups are so important. We call them um, at the stone, we call them missional communities because we right. believe that as Christians, we are called to be on mission uh, with each other and with the world around us. And so, but it, it's always good to be in community and, and spurring each other on to be in the word, to be in prayer, to do mm -hmm. those things that draw us closer to God. Yeah. And so that, that's always important. Well, Mr. Dansby, thank you so much uh, for being with us today, man. It's always such a blessing uh, when we um, we are able to sit down and, and, and talk through things. And you've been such a blessing in my life and in my family's life. Uh, so just appreciate you, my brother. And thanks for being with us today. It's a pleasure, Victor. I love you, my brother. Love you too, man. And uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, please remember to like, follow, and share. See you next time.